0: Mr. Balpern, the T1 Brass, Carson Sistuli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is a contributor currently to be on the box score, also proprietor of his own site, Steel of Home at steelofhome.wordpress.com. His name is Chris St. John. St. John is the author of perhaps two of my favorite posts uh, of baseball writing over the last couple years. In one of them, he's able to assess objectively the biases present in different prospect lists that are released at the beginning of the season. In another, uh, he looks at the ways in which walk rates and strikeout rates among Baseball America Top 100 prospects and what ways those uh, walk and strikeout rates are predictive of the prospects' respective futures. Both those posts are indicative of St. John's concerns generally, which is of finding ways of assessing objectively certain ideas which uh, maybe previously have only been expressed subjectively. Before I move on to uh, my conversation with Chris A. John, I'd like to make one note. As we do make frequent references to the two posts that I've just mentioned, I have provided links at the site, uh, at Fangraphs.com. I've provided links to both of those posts. It is possible, although not necessarily the case, uh, but it is possible that the listener will derive uh, more satisfaction from this edition of Fangraphs Audio. If he or she at least has some familiarity with what is going on in those posts. So that is a disclaimer. Uh, that is a sort of disclaimer. But that having been disclaimed, allow me now to move on to the conversation. This is Fangraph's Audio. It's a conversation with Chris St. John of Beyond the Box Score and also Steel of Home. And it begins right now. Something you don't want to answer, you should say, "I, I refuse to answer that." In fact, <laughs> I'm shocked that you asked that question.
1: That's you shocked should, and chagrined.
0: Yeah, you should. Uh, you should feel free to say that. Uh, All right. I don't know what I would ask that would have that would. I don't. I don't know what I would ask, but you're just allowed to say, "Don't ask me that." That's fine. Um, All right. The uh, so listen, I've actually been I've been following your work for a while now. Um, I think I came across it initially. Uh, well if for no other reason than you do these prospect rankings at your um, at your home site the site uh, steal of home
1: right yeah
0: uh, steel of home you do a lot of stuff with prospect rankings and it's very helpful um, because you have aggregated I think what are probably uh, you know the the sort of the most Commonly cited prospect lists in the in sort of the prospect rankings industry, right? Yeah. Uh, can you? I'm curious about the the sort of genesis. If you could talk about the genesis of that project, and then I guess uh, you know what what you've done to improve upon it, or what your sort of goals are with it.
1: Um, yeah. So I the the genesis I think of any good research that's done in the baseball field starts with. Fantasy baseball, uh, so I—that's uh, that's where all this prospect stuff came about. Um, I I, uh, I I joined a dynasty baseball league where you have a a nice size roster and then um, a, a minor league roster, and there's a prospect draft every year, um, and. So that's where all of the prospect stuff came from. Was that I I wanted to find the best prospects, um, and there are all the different sites um, that do prospect research. And so I figured, uh, well, why not just put them all together um, and come up with a consensus list? Um, so I did that, uh, and and that's basically what I used for my for my prospect drafts. Um, so I I. I, I um, would would take all the the lists and put them together and then so instead of instead of averaging them um, because not every list ranks every prospect um, give a a point value so one a rank of one is a hundred points and then down from there and then rank them by the total amount of points um, and it 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 helped me with the with the fantasy baseball thing and it was a, a pretty popular thing um, I started posting them on uh, on John Sickles' website, um, and, and that's just a, a, big website of a lot of people that enjoy prospects, and they always enjoyed it. Um, so I kept doing it. Um, and what year, and, what
0: year we, did you start this project?
1: I think, um, I think it was 2000, 2011 maybe, 2011 probably, was when I started it, just a couple of years ago. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that was, that was all just from, from fantasy baseball. Um, from wanting
0: to, uh, you're in some manner of, uh, league, you, you mentioned a dynasty league, uh, where you right. want to, uh, cause I know that my interest generally in a fantasy league is to crush, uh, my friends and to, uh, impose my will upon them with my baseball knowledge to hurt their feelings essentially. Is that, are those your general motivations?
1: Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, my goal is to try and make uh, all 11 of my league mates cry at the end of every yeah. season.
0: Yeah, that's good. And uh, yeah. yeah, so basically what it is, right, you have, you, know, you start with Baseball America, there's Baseball Prospect Nation, Prospectus, Keith Law's list, Fangraph's list, et cetera. You have these mm-hmm. all together, and then you go through, you do not just top 100 lists, but you also go through organizationally. Uh, I mean, is there anything that, that I guess that going through this process has revealed to you? Um, or do you feel like what the benefits might be in terms of a consensus list? Uh, I mean, that may, that could be like an elementary question. I don't know if if that's what I'm mm-hmm. asking. But do you have the sense of what the benefits are over just looking at one list or the other?
1: Yeah, you get a sense of um, of which which prospects are uh, in general and consensus. Um, the the that. Uh, that everyone really seems to like, like a couple of years ago, you know, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, were pretty much one, two on every list. Um, so you get, you know, this isn't just one guy talking up a prospect. This is, you know, everyone really loves them and, you know, they turned out pretty well. Um, the, uh, uh, but then it's, it's also interesting to see, to see other prospects that are, that some lists just have really high and some have really low or, Um, and, and on each of the, with each of the lists, I do, um, players that have the most variability, um, and then players, I call them surprising inclusions or exclusions. Um, so players that, um, that maybe only a couple of lists have, but those lists really love them, um, or players that most lists have, but that, um, some lists just don't have on there, um. And so that those are where the where it's kind of interesting to look at the list and see the the players that stick out, players that um, like say Keith Law would rank you know in the top fifty, but isn't even on most of the other lists um, to see uh, which players that they think are really gonna um, come to the forefront maybe next year um, that they're trying to get ahead of um, the rankings and you know they they don't really think this prospect is in the top 50 but they they want you to they want to catch your attention with it um and and tell you that this guy could maybe uh stick out um one one example of that this year was Adalberto Mondesi um or I guess he's going by Raul now but he uh he he wasn't on a lot of lists cuz he's a he's a 17 year old prospect in the royal system and um, so he's he's not one of the top prospects quite yet, but he's he's someone who could really bust out this year. Um, and so a couple a couple of the lists had him ranked pretty highly, but but not everyone did. Um, so that's where it's really interesting to look at those lists um, and, and find the the prospects that really jump out.
0: Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, the most recent version of what you're talking about here, not only where you um, Aggregate all the lists together and and come up with a consensus top 100 or whatever, but actually look through, and I mean you have essentially here an objective way of of um, teasing out the biases, I guess if, if that's the case, uh, of the right. of the different uh, of the different lists and the, and of course the people who are compiling them.
1: I, mean, I think right, the, exactly.
0: most, the most recent version of this is at the, is beyond the box score from the beginning of April, is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah, the, the 2013 ones. Yeah.
0: Do you, I mean, Understood. going through it, do, do you ever sort of seek to to look for uh, any sort of uh, continuity or cohesion among the among the prospects at a certain list? Uh, so, like you say, Keith Law's list. Maybe you look at that and you say, well, from looking at Keith Law's lists and his likes, players he likes more than other uh, other um, uh, prospect outlets, players he dislikes more, um, his surprising inclusions, his surprising exclusions. Do, do you begin to see a theme or or is it a little bit too, um, too dispersed for that?
1: Um. <clears throat> well, I put this year. I, I started. I started trying to find the best ranking philosophy that I could because that's that's the biggest thing. Um, I think the differences between the lists is really the individual philosophies of what they think makes a good prospect. Um, so if you if you take Keith Law for instance, and, and his is good because he has. He has a pretty well-defined philosophy, um, basically that he looks more for higher ceiling players, Um, and so it's uh, it's difficult for me. I'm not exact. I'm not a a prospect maven myself, uh, to steal your terminology. Um, I just uh, analyze, you know, what other people do. Um, So it's it's interesting to look at. So, for instance, you know, if if we're talking about Keith Law. Um, his his biggest like this year was actually Jared Kosart, um, and then there's uh, he has Tyler Austin, um, and and so I'm not sure if if those players are um, you know the higher ceiling ones, or if he he included them because they have a possibility of um, of becoming better than we think, um, and then if but if you look at his at his dislikes um, like Mike Olt is one of them, um, and. I think that's pretty general. He's not um, Mike Old isn't exactly a high ceiling player. Um, he's just someone that uh, you know has, has a has a higher floor, I think. Um, but, ha, but, CM- but he
0: also has, of course, Javier Baez on there, uh, Jameson right, Taillon, yeah. Jose Fernandez, all of whom were signed. Uh, you know, I mean, a couple of them. Well, I guess no, Jose Fernandez is domestic as well. But they uh, they were out of high school, all of them. And so oh, okay. that's yeah. not necessarily consistent. Yeah, but it is interesting. Yeah. I, I think it is interesting, and, and it's, it's fine, uh, honestly, for, for our purposes right here, if, if it's not something that you've necessarily uh, been able to describe concretely, is to say, well, these exclusions or these likes necessarily add up to or or help to um, give evidence of, your, uh, yeah. of bias or one way or the other. It is interesting, though, that I think that, especially because in this post from Beyond the Box Score at the beginning of April, um, where you do do aggregate all these lists, um, you do include the ranking philosophy. Now, it's curious that so you mentioned with Law, he's, he's someone who's going to look at uh, ceiling uh, or value ceiling more highly than, than another one. I suppose it is interesting, and even if you're not um, an expert with regard to prospects or don't consider yourself an expert, I suppose that as one who is interested, f- for fantasy purposes, if nothing else, it, I suppose it's, it's helpful for you as just a reader of or consumer of prospect analysis to understand what the biases, uh, the bias, the biases of that particular list might be.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, another big one um, that, cause I think a lot of, a lot of lists, they say um, that they, they rank a certain way, but they still tend to follow consensus. Um, maybe rank a couple of players, a couple spots higher than they would, but yeah, um, but there aren't a lot of really big changes. Um, but but one of them, I think, that is, and it's very obvious in the way that he ranks, is John Sickles on minor league ball. And so he, um, he is kind of the opposite of Keith Law, where he he ranks players with the higher floor um, than than looking at ceiling. Um, and so if you look at his um, if you look at his dislikes, he um, has players like Nick Castellanos and David Dahl. Um, uh, Taiwan Walker, perhaps. Players that, that, um, that do have a high ceiling, but they still, they still need to work on it. Um, they still have work to do in the minors. Um, like George, George Springer is another one on his. You know, he's, he has a, a ton of strikeouts, um, but he has a, he has a high ceiling if he's able to put it all together. Um, and so if you look at, if you look at his stuff, you can, you can kind of see where some of that comes from. Now, um.
0: now, perhaps related to this conversation we're having, especially looking at the the idea between ceilings and floors, um, and and how that might affect how different prospectors uh, or prospect analysts rank rank certain prospects. We also have this. Uh, it, it reminds me of another study you did, something in which I took uh, considerable pleasure reading, um, and in which I'd like to discuss with you further. Is the uh, is this idea of what Uh, minor league uh, walk and strikeout rates tell us about prospects. This is a piece you did uh, last year, around this time, I think, maybe uh, a little bit earlier in the spring.
1: Uh, Yeah, Mark.
0: Yeah, but I'm curious. Now, did this come from this same curiosity about uh, um, trying to impose your will on your uh, uh, fantasy league mates? Is that the idea?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's where this came from as well. Um, This was before... um, So I had... My my team was really bad and it still is, um, <laughs> and uh, so my goal was to um, I didn't exa- I didn't have a ton of uh, well established players in the majors on my dynasty team, so I basically wanted to trade away um, players that I didn't think were going to be good for very long, um, and then um, get a bunch of of uh, draft picks. Um, so this. And this this was when um, so, so in, in 2012 our our league had a ton of really good talent um, available for the for the dynasty league draft and so I I wanted to make sure that every pick was the was the perfect pick um, so uh, they, yeah, that's where the the whole idea from looking at walk and strikeout rates I figured that they would be the most consistent um, from minor leagues to to the major leagues. And so I wanted to look at, in um, particularly uh, Starling Marte, because um, I, I was reading about him. He was one of the one of the guys I was going to look at for my dynasty draft, and I had, was reading about he had a 3.8 percent walk rate in AA, A, um, which is you know, pretty pretty bad. And um, so I wanted to see if if that even mattered or at all, or if it if it had any effect. Um, so that, yeah, that's where the the whole idea of this entire post series came from i did that one on the platoon advantage um and I, I went through each of the each of the leagues and and looked at um based on how each prospect compared with the league average and then compared that with if he became a productive major league hitter or not um and so yeah that's, that's where all that came from that was that was uh from the dynasty league as well
0: now uh, so what were your? What was the sort of the, the method you used then? And then what were the findings you had about what we can learn, um, or how much we can learn about prospects um, if we are just isolating their walk and strikeout rates? Um, so the
1: um, my, the method that I used um, since since it was a, a fantasy league, um, obviously their their defense didn't really matter as long as it was good enough for them to be in the starting lineup. Um, so I I just looked at their batting runs um, from Fangraphs, the, the batting runs per plate appearance in their career, and then I uh, looked at how many, how many plate appearances they actually had. So it, you know, a, a prospect um, should have at least 1,500 was the cutoff that I used. Uh, 1,500 plate appearances um, in order for them to have enough playing time to consider them a productive major league player. Um and then I, I just split up the um, the batting runs per plate appearance um, so that they would uh, um, it was about it was about like a, a twenty twenty percent of the players became productive and then uh, another twenty percent were average and then it was you know another sixty uh, percent that were actually busted prospects as far as the hitting
0: and that's the total so- population. Uh, yeah, and that's prospects. that's the
1: the total population of um, of prospects who appeared on a Baseball America top 100 list.
0: Okay, and um, then so right, and then so and then so what do we learn in terms of results? What I mean, or, or what we could like, if we have an idea about a prospect one who's one who's appeared on the top 100 list for for Baseball America, and then we also have this additional knowledge about their walk and strikeout rates as minor leaguers having, being able to have both those bodies of information, what was the, what were your findings from that?
1: Um, yeah, so I, I found, um, basically, um, the, well, the, the lower levels tell us a little bit less, um, than the higher levels, which makes, you know, complete sense. Um, but, but really what I found, um, was, so a, a low walk player is most likely to be a bust, um, which actually led to me not, not drafting Starly Marte, and I, I, dra- in his place I drafted Oscar Tavares, which hopefully will, will turn out pretty well for me, Um we'll still see. Uh, Marte is obviously not a, not a great example, cause he's, um, still a, a fairly productive major league player early in his career. Um but, but so, the, um so I found low walk players tend to be busts. Um and that's uh, pretty much 90 almost 90% of players um who had a low walk rate in double A AA or triple A turned out to be busts. And this was uh, who in, also
0: appeared on a top 100 list this is the idea. Yeah,
1: who also appeared yeah, so they appeared on a top 100 um one of the players which is kind of interesting in in double A so Raul Mondesi, the actual the father, um, he, in in Double A, his he had a very low walk rate, um, which was much lower than than the league average, and he had a high strikeout rate to go with it. Um, but he actually turned into you know a pretty productive major league player, um, about 28 wins above replacement. Um, and so he's he's kind of the exception to the rule. Um,
0: to the to but, the Raoul, you might say.
1: To, yeah, right. Exactly. You to the Raoul, you could
0: say that if you were going to make a mediocre joke. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, but but if you look at Ray Ordonez and Lance Negro, those are two players who had um, low walk rates, and they did not turn into productive major league hitters. Um, so that that was the one that was the one thing I found that I was uh, looking at the whole purpose of it um, that low walk players in the minor leagues do tend to be busts. Um, and then to, to go from there if we look at players who had a lot of walks who did walk um, they're they're a lot more likely to become productive major league hitters. Um, so if um for AA and AAA it's um 30, 30 to 40% of players with high walk rates uh, do become productive players. Um, and so, if we if we compare that to the twenty percent that's average, um, it's definitely better for a prospect to have a high walk rate. Um,
0: and now, when you say uh, when you say high, what, what was your what was your sort of definition for that bucket as opposed to low?
1: So um, I I just used standard deviations. So I, I compared um, each prospect to the league average of the year that they performed um, in in that league. And then uh, one standard deviation above and below I called low or high. And then two standard deviations was very low or very high. Um, and so that was, I just used uh, the standard deviations above the or below the league average. Um, so when I'm talking about low or high here, I'm act, I actually combine both one and two standard deviations. Um, so just players um, high or low would be one or two. One one standard deviation above or below the league average for that year,
0: um, and so so this this actually might be surprising, right? Because I would say, hmm. I've I would say that I've I, the way I think about prospects sometimes is that um, maybe some of the the walks will dry up essentially as a player goes from the minor leagues to the major leagues, um, but it sounds like what you're saying is that that's not necessarily the case. Now, I—I I mean, if you don't know the answer to this, that's fine. Did you get a sense of, of what precisely was happening? Was it was it necessarily that those that those players were retaining higher than average walk rates, or or was something, or were those walks drying up? But maybe they were uh, becoming. Maybe it was a sign of play discipline. Did you want to? Were you able to sort of, I guess, hazard any guesses um, as to as to um, as to the reasoning?
1: yeah so I like uh, in each of the in each of the posts I did for each level, um, I actually uh, compared the their walk rate, each prospects walk rate and then their walk rate in in the future um, in the major leagues. Um, so if we look at some, looking at one of the charts, um, <clears throat> they do tend to have a lower walk rate in the major leagues.
0: Relative to uh, what they had at the, relative, the level, right. yeah.
1: Right. So, you know, a prospect that had say a you know, walked in fifteen percent of their plate appearances would maybe in the major leagues they would only walk in you know ten to twelve percent. So it would drop off. Um, but if you compare the prospects and you look at um, the the players who were productive, they tended tended to walk more than we would think um, based on just a, you know, a, a linear correlation. Um, so if you look at the, the players who, who are above the line, um, they tended to be the productive players in the major leagues. And if you look at the players below the line, those are the ones who busted. Um, so the, the prospects who, who did have a good walk rate but couldn't maintain it in the major leagues um are the ones who tended to bust um, but the but the players who did keep that high walk rate in the majors did tend to be the ones who were productive.
0: Did you find anything predictive, and again, it's fine if you didn't, but I'm curious. did you find anything predictive of or th- this is what might separate the players who were able to maintain the high walk rates as opposed to those whose walk rates dropped off
1: um not uh, not too much I mean I, I found so like a linear correlation between a double-a and a major league walk rate um, with a with a coefficient of point three zero which is not perfectly um, descriptive but it is fairly good um, but uh, but I, I didn't find any differences between the players who actually were able to maintain that walk rate Um versus those who who weren't. Um, and I think that just comes down to um, just that prospects are so difficult. Um, you know, 60% of them just completely fail in the major leagues, even those that are in the top 100 lists. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with just being able to adjust. Um, and that's what, what baseball is really all about, especially as you know, the hitter-pitcher matchup. Is all about adjusting and being able to do that, and the players that can do that become productive, and, and the players that can't are the ones who fail.
0: Now it seems to um, me, and it, it seems. To, well, sorry to interrupt, but it seems to me like an age component might be also helpful in something like this. I'm curious as to whether if you, like how you would design the same uh, the same study if you were to sort of do it in a perfect world, right? I mean, where you didn't have to deal with time and the limitations of data gathering, et
1: cetera right yeah, and that's i would um i would actually love to redo this study um and look at some other things um and yeah age is definitely one of them um yeah i would well I, I'd, I'd like to compare the age to the league average um and then give give more credit to the to those players who did um who who perform you know if a player has a high walk rate above league average and he's five years younger than the average, then he should definitely get more credit um, than someone who's above the league um, average. Um, but I, I do think a lot of, since, since top 100 prospects do tend to be younger for their age, um, I think that does help with Right, for their level, exactly. Um, so I think that does help a little bit with it um, because a, you know, a 30-year-old guy in AAA isn't going to be on a top 100 list. Um, so I, I think that does help with it, but I yeah I would love to to put age in there and um, and look at some other factors as well. You
0: now uh, we t- we actually talked about walks. Uh, we said that a, a low walk rate is typically uh, not a great sign for a minor league uh, a pr- for a prospect, whereas a higher walk rate is t- does tend to be a good sign. Um, I mean that's sort of basic, but now we have uh, numbers to back it up. Uh, minor mm-hmm. league. How, now what did strikeouts look like though?
1: Uh, yeah, so for strikeouts, um, what I found was that and, – and this was – I think strikeouts became a little bit more interesting um, because, like you said, uh, the walk rate is is kind of a – makes sense, kind of common knowledge. Um, but one, one interesting thing I found was that for low strikeouts, um, players who didn't strike out a lot, um, they were more likely to just become average major league players um, – much more than, than either productive. Uh, well, um, for each each level, it's it's most likely that you're going to become a bust as a top 100 prospect, which is kind of a depressing way to look at the world. <laughs> um, but for for those players with with low strikeout rates, um, they were they were more likely than than any other type of rate to become an, just an average uh, major league player. Um, so I I came up with a with a boom or bust percentage, um, and so so if we look at um, like a, a player in Double A with a low strike with a low walk rate, um, his boom or bust is is about 80 um, percent. Um, but if we look at a at a player with a low strikeout rate, his boom or bust is only 75 percent. Um, so the the players with low strikeout rates are more average type players than they are um, players that you know become the the top ones in the major leagues um, and then for for high strikeout rates um, and I think this is kind of makes goes with common knowledge as well um, they were more the most likely to be boom or bust prospects um, and so that's you know, someone like George Springer um, who has who has he has, he has power and he has contact ability, but he just strikes out a bunch. Um, and so, for for double um, A, your the boom or bust rate for strikeout high strikeout prospects was ninety two percent, which is just incredibly high. That uh, and that that's actually pretty consistent from from low A all the way up to double A. Uh, about ninety percent of prospects who have at least one standard deviation above the average in their strikeout rate are 90% to be either really productive or fail. Um, and so that, that again, um, just kind of goes with common common knowledge or something you, that you would think. Um, if, if this guy is able to uh, hit enough home runs or make enough contact, even with all of his strikeouts, then, yeah, he's going to be a great player. But but if he just can't make enough contact, well, he's not going to make it in the major leagues.
0: Right, yeah, and I guess that's it. goes with uh, – we see a lot of – and probably Marte is not uh, – it, it would be uh, among the sorts we'd, we'd consider, or at least along those lines. You have a player mm-hmm. who is on those lists because he has a lot else going on, right? Mm-hmm. And right. you say, well, well, he, he's he's got a lot of tools – um, and the contact rate, we'll see. You know, we'll see if he can cut it or, or, or if he can increase it to such a level as where it's not a huge liability, and he, we can allow his other tools to play. So that's, yeah, I guess that that is sort of again, it's it's supporting something, it's a, supporting an idea we might already have about prospects, something that already exists, but in this case, it it um, sort of establishes them as something closer to fact, given the the presence of these
1: numbers here. Right, exactly. And the interesting thing with Marte actually is that um, his his strikeout rates uh, have never been typically insanely high. And um, in, especially in the minor leagues, um, his strikeout rates were were basically about league average um, in general. And even if you look at um, last year, he struck out a ton in the major leagues. But this year, his his strikeout rates. 20 22 percent and the league average is about 20 percent so he's a little bit above but not like crazy it's just that he doesn't take a walk because his, his walk rate is uh, is almost half the league average um and so yeah he's he's going to be an interesting guy to watch to see if if he's able to maintain half the half the league average in his walks and Still, put together a, a productive career,
0: right? And, he, and again, he has a lot of other skills. I guess is the yeah, idea, exactly. right? Yeah. It's not necessarily yeah. his entire career is not necessarily dependent on his bat because, uh, I mean, you know, he's sort of of that Brett Gardner mold in left field of a guy who could probably very easily be <laughs> playing above average center field, uh, but is playing in a corner role. Um, so, you know, he has the defensive skills. He also uh, is is likely going to be. Um, Producing above-average number of runs on the base pass, both by stealing bases and taking extra bases. So, it, you know, the, he has a couple other ways to uh, to produce runs, to produce wins, than uh, beyond merely. And you know, he's probably also going to be developing. I don't know, plus power, something you know, something above-average power, uh, just given his age right now and what he's already able to do uh, from a from a power point of view. Um, yes. And yeah, just looking exactly. at his physique, I mean, he's he's pretty impressive physically.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, th- this, is all, this is all really exciting stuff. It, it seems like, again, with regard to this, what we're talking about, um, if I had uh, – if, if there was a sort of wish fulfillment segment of this, looking at strikeout walk differentials I think might be an interesting addition to that and also the effect that power might have. Because if a guy has like a low strikeout rate – like you said you, – or we're talking about the strikeout rates – and the boomer bust possibilities, if a guy has a lot of power and a high strikeout rate, then that's something obviously you can live with, right? Um, right. If along with that he's also walking a lot, then that also seems, you know, like Adam Dunn has carved out a major league career based on that. Um, um, whereas if a guy strikes out a lot and he also doesn't hit for power or and he also doesn't walk a lot, um, then that's just me. I could do that. I could have a high <laughs> strikeout rate. And uh, and do all those other things, um, and not hit for power or ever walk. Uh, that's something I could handle. And uh, so right, it seems like like uh, in terms of maybe going further with something like that, if we have like a you know the ideal uh, study. Like so adding in some of those factors would be interesting. I, I guess the, I guess generally sure. speaking, if we could speak on a general level. Looking at these two projects we discussed here, both the idea of aggregating. Uh, prospect lists and finding consensus, you know, finding consensus uh, among the, these uh, top 100 prospect lists or organizational prospect lists. That and then also looking at, um, um, also looking at the, the, the potential, the indicators, um, what, what strikeout rate at a minor league level represents, what walk rate at a minor league level represents. It seems like if we could characterize it, you have some concern, you have some interest in. Sort of finding some objective ways of looking at prospects. Would that be would that be fair? Would that be a fair characterization?
1: Right. Exactly. the The whole purpose of of all, it, um, of, all of the research is trying to find um, the the players who who are more likely to become productive major leaguers. Um, and so the the purpose with the consensus ranks was to find the players who. Everyone really likes and well, if everyone really likes them, then they're probably going to be good. Um, And then the same thing with the, with looking at minor league walk-in strikeout rates was, was trying to put a number to, to how likely a a prospect is going to become productive in the major leagues. Um, So yeah, the whole purpose of all of it is, is trying to, to find those prospects which are most likely to succeed.
0: Do you sense that you've learned anything? About, I mean, without getting into the scouting side of it, although if you if, if that knowledge helps you, then please bring it up. But is there anything that uh, you've learned or what's the main thing you've learned about prospects, I suppose, uh, from going through these sort of two objective ways of looking at, at minor league players?
1: Um, well, I think the biggest thing I've learned, um, so when I, when I first started this, I honestly um, had no prospect knowledge whatsoever um it was it was like christmas every time a new player would come up to the major <laughs> league cuz i'd never heard of him before um, but so but the biggest thing that i've noticed with um with this is is it's just so obvious when you look at it that just a lot of prospects just fail um, and a lot of play you know Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and Manny Machado um, they've turned out pretty well but you know for every one of those there's there's 10 20 prospects that that are supposed to be really good and then all of a sudden they just um they just fail. Um and so that's the biggest thing I've noticed is that even even if these players are held in high regard, they still have are most likely to fail. Um which which is kind of sad, but um it's that's just the truth is that prospects just are likely to not succeed in the major league cuz it's really hard to do
0: so maybe it's a little bit less like christmas now and more just like kind of one of the lesser days you get off from work or something like that like right just sort of like a like a generic state holiday or something
1: yeah it's like uh it's like jfk's birthday don't even get work off for it anymore
0: yeah that's right yeah sorry jfk but (laughs) i don't know i mean i'm not that not that sorry i mean he was a good guy he seemed like a good well he seemed like a well, that's a conversation about JFK. I guess we don't need to necessarily have that. Um, do you have a sense of of the questions that are um, exciting exciting for you now, whether, whether regard to prospects or or perhaps sort of other directions for your research at this
1: point? Um, yeah. Well, I um, prospects is still something that I um, I would love to. To get deeper into, um, like what you were talking about, especially with the age and the home run rates, um, and, and home run rates are are difficult because there are a lot of uh, crazy run environments. Um, like in, even just where I am in Albuquerque, the the run environments uh, you know are, are just super high. They actually installed the humidor this year, but um, and just in the Pacific Coast League in general. Um, so those are things you have to factor in. Um, but I'm always looking and and this is not even just in prospect research but in everything that I do um, my my ultimate goal is to to perfectly describe the situation and provide as much context um, for what is what m- might most likely happen um, and so like for for prospect research you know looking at their strike rate their walk rate their age to the level their uh, their home run rate, um, and and just look putting all those factors together and trying to find the prospects that are um, that are actually performing well. You know, if you have a, a player who's who hit twenty home runs in the Pacific Coast League, um, but he's playing in all these crazy run environments, but then you look at another player, maybe hit fifteen home runs, but he's playing in Florida or something, and um, so his his. Uh, Output was actually more impressive um, and so that's that's the biggest thing I try to do with just all my research. I want to find and put everything in its proper context and and try and learn as much as we can um, above and beyond what we just what we see on the surface
0: right and then I guess the challenge yeah is is finding all of the information to f- for the model right I mean like you're talking exactly. about being able to have the data for different run environments. Um, but then also adjusting for things like, like we mentioned, like age, like level, or age relative to level. I guess, it's a, I guess the challenge then becomes um, being able to, to collect all that information and then uh, and then in, and integrate it in a way that also does not drive you crazy as the person constructing the model, and also allows you to hold some manner of employment besides of it.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, that's the yeah, the the hardest part of typically any any research that I do, the hardest part is uh, just getting the data and making it usable.
0: So um, yeah, it sounds like it would be difficult. Well, listen, Chris, <laughs> uh, this is exciting. Now, in terms of uh, work you're you're doing now, I, I think you're doing uh, you're contributing to Beyond the Box Score. Is that right?
1: Right. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a weekly column on Beyond the Box Score. Um, just whatever I, I feel like doing that week. Um last last week I was I was looking at um catchers that shut down um shut down the running game um that that intimidate the runners so that they don't run um found that Yadier Molina is uh is really good at that surprise um yeah. but um but I think the the thing that I've been doing most that that really interests me is um is home run research um so i have e s p n home run tracker uh it's hit tracker online um, has has data for for every home run since two thousand six they have um, the speed off the bat and apex and they have um uh, true distance which is how far the ball would have landed if it if it landed on the ground and and then they have standard distance um which is if you strip away all of the effects of the environment, how far would the ball have gone? You know, if the if the wind was calm and if it was a, a normal day, um, and so I've been I've been doing a lot of research uh, with with that with just the ESPN Home Run Tracker website. Um, I created a, a statistic, and I, I try and um, get get everyone to look at it uh, as as much as I can. Um, it's, I, I call it home run damage, um, and I have I have it on my on my website, um, and it basically takes uh, takes the the speed off the bat and the distance of the home run, um, and compares it to the average, uh, and then adds those two together. Um, so it, it uses z score so it um, the the distance away from the average, and then the standard deviation of all home runs. Um and then it gives it a point value. And then I add those two together and find which home runs were actually the most impressive. Um and so so uh like a few weeks ago, and you'll you'll see that every once in a while someone will will be impressed with the home run um because it reaches the third deck or whatever. Um, but I think we all know that uh a lot of those home runs are down the line and the reason it reaches the third deck is because the third deck is you know, only like three hundred and fifty feet away from home plate. Um, and so so they they look impressive, but they're they're not actually objectively impressive um, if we take away the the visual aspects of it. Um so I uh so I, I created this home run damage statistic to objectively look at how impressive home runs actually are. Um, so if we look at uh the, the top home run was actually hit by Adam Dunn um, and he has, he has a lot of the top home runs. He hit some pretty impressive home runs, uh, which I don't think anyone will disagree with. Um, but he hit he hit a home run um, in 2008, which was pretty much to straight center in Chase Field. Um, so it actually doesn't look too impressive because Chase Field is over it's about 415 feet, I think, to, to Center field. And he hit it up uh, up on the wall, um, and it was actually an incredibly impressive home run. So, so his home run damage score is eight, uh, which means that it was it was pretty much four standard deviations above the mean for both damage or for both uh, for both distance and speed, um, which is just an incredible amount. Um, and so that's actually the most damaging home run. But if you watch it, it doesn't actually look that impressive, just because it was hit to straight center field.
0: But um, in terms of just objectively, how how hard does a guy? How impressive was the home run if we could if we could standardize it? Or you know, uh, then then Adam Dunn's home run was the most impressive. This is last year.
1: Uh, it was in two thousand eight, actually.
0: Oh, Okay. Oh, so most yeah. most impressive home run of the last uh, half decade or more
1: right, yeah, so um, and this goes the numbers actually go back to two thousand and six, so yeah, in the past um six plus years, seven years um adam dunn's was uh um was it uh there's actually one in the in the top uh in the top ten from this year, um so that was mark trumbo he hit uh and he's he's another darling of this home run damage statistic um which is which is another one that i i think is difficult to argue with. Um, he hits just some some incredible home runs. Um, so he hit one. So it's uh, April 29th against Dan Straley, and he hit one. And if you if you watch it, the the announcers you know talk about. It, I've never seen a a ball hit that far to that to that spot in this field. Um, and so he he just hits this incredible home run. Um, and and that was uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Six. Eighth, so the eighth eighth top home run since two thousand six. I and mean, then, so
0: you're ongoing uh, uh, um and very important home run damage research. Uh yes. this is also something to be found at steel of, steelofhome.wordpress.com.
1: Yes, yeah. exactly. And I have I have a tab for home run damage. Um talk about uh how I came up with the statistic and then I I look at some of the um some of the extremes, the the most damaging, the least damaging. Um Least damaging typically are our uh, opposite field home runs to pesky pole in Fenway Park. Um, so, like Jason Bay hits this pop up in any other field, but it it just sneaks over the wall at Fenway, um, and and that's actually the the least damaging home run, um, and it's basically the opposite of Adam Dunn's negative um, eight standard deviations.
0: Right, doesn't deserve our our attention at all.
1: No, totally not at all. worthless. Yes, just like Jason Bay's offensive capabilities.
0: Although this year, apparently not that bad. <laughs> right, yeah.
1: yeah. Yes, you never definitely. know. It's all
0: about Jessamyn, see? Hey, uh, Chris, listen, it was, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you and um, to have you, I guess, yeah, to, to to dwell a little bit longer on some of this, uh, this stuff that I think, you know, I mean, when you first encounter it as a reader like myself, casually, you say, oh, this is very interesting, but I would like to consider it further. And then uh, no problem... Uh, it, it's nice to be able to to, uh, to discuss it with the person who invented it, who, who was responsible for it. So I uh, so I want to thank you a lot.
1: Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you for uh, having me on.
0: Yeah, that is uh, that is Chris St. John, uh, both of Steel of Home, and also uh, uh, more recently beyond the box score, where his uh, his he's been doing a weekly call. Um, thank you very much, Chris. I'm Carst Cecili, sure. and this has been Fangraphs Audio.